Well, good morning. Um, as Sarah said earlier, we're going to be continuing our series in lessons from lockdown. And it's been great hearing from people over the last couple of weeks what God has been speaking to them about during this time. Uh, I loved hearing how uh, God had been so present in Jan's uh, time over lockdown as she battled with cancer and loved hearing how the church community really gathered around her uh, and loved her and supported her in that time. And then last week we heard from Ben Parrish from Lowestoft uh, talking on compassion uh, for those in poverty. Um, and this week we're going to be talking about the topic of hope in the current climate that we're living uh, in at the minute. And I feel like this is something that God has spoken to me really deeply about uh, over the past few months. We've been in lockdown for roughly five months, uh, so it's been a lot longer than I'm sure many of us uh, expected. And I'm pretty sure it's safe to say we've been in some very unusual times over the last few months. Uh, but I have loved that we've still been able to gather together. I've loved that we've been able to have Zoom prayer meetings, that we've been able to uh, meet in life groups. Uh, I've loved being able to see what other people have been up to, whether it be on social media or through phone calls. Uh, I've loved seeing photos. There have even been many people celebrating birthdays virtually. We've maintained community so well, and we've even been able to move forward in that as well. And I think it's been wonderful. Uh, some days I wake up and maybe I log into social media or I have catch-ups with people on the phone uh, and I see photos and chat to people about uh, baking that they've done or sports that they've taken up or people who have finally got around to doing that thing in their house that they've wanted to do for the past few years. People who've reconnected with family members or learnt new hobbies or perhaps even learnt to play an instrument. And I think it's been wonderful and exciting to see and to share with one another. Now, in light of this, I don't want you to hear what I'm about to say wrong. I think these are all wonderful things. And as I said, I've loved being able to see and share in them with other people. But I want you guys to hear this as well. And that is that whilst we've been in lockdown, whilst we've been uh, experiencing this kind of isolation, sometimes in our day-to-day -day lives, sometimes in a day, this tends to be all we see of other people's lives. Sometimes all we see is the shiny stuff, the best bits, the bits that people want us to see. And unless we watch our thinking in this, we can fall into this trap of thinking that everybody is out there living their best lives, loving life and not really struggling with anything. But actually, I found towards the start of lockdown that as I chatted to people, that not everybody was fine and dandy that lockdown was hard at points for everybody. And when I was looking on social media and on these phone calls, I just wasn't seeing it. But the truth was that people were struggling. And why is this a dangerous headspace to be in? Well, it's dangerous firstly because the Bible promises that in this world we will have trouble. We will suffer, we will struggle at times. And when we hit that point, when we look around and we think we see everybody else loving life and we find that we're not, it makes us feel alone. It makes us feel like our struggle isn't valid. It makes us try and bury it and suddenly we start comparing ourselves to others. And then it starts to cause envy and jealousy. But most importantly, guys, it can stop us from being open and vulnerable and sharing our lives with one another. 
And that's a scary place to be because it says in Romans 12 verses 15 that we are to be a people that rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. We're to share our lives with one another. We're to share the good, the bad, the ugly. We're to be honest with one another about where we're at. And when we do this, when we're vulnerable with those areas that we're struggling in, it creates a place where others feel able to do so as well. And not only that, but it creates an honest platform in which we can speak hope into. And when we're honest about this, it means admitting that we're a little bit weak at times. It's countercultural, but in that it allows Christ's strength to shine through. It increases dependency on him. It acknowledges him as Lord. And let me tell you guys, there is no better or more secure place to be. And so what does this look like in our current climate? What does this kind of struggle and difficulty look like at the minute? Well, you might have seen in the news this morning that the, um, sorry, on Wednesday morning that the economy has officially gone into recession, that mental health is actually hitting an all-time low like nothing we've ever seen before. The economy is crashing. Unemployment is going to reach higher levels than before. People are lonely and isolated in their homes. The elderly are struggling with not being able to see family. Many people are worried about their friends and family. We've got an NHS who are working down to the core and many, many people giving into anxiety. This is what we're seeing as a result of the virus, as a result of so much else going on in the world right now. And if I'm honest with myself, I've found lockdown really hard at points. And yet a few weeks ago, I sat there and I thought to myself, well, I've found lockdown hard at points, and yet I have the creator of the universe on my side. I've got the creator of the universe on my side. And then it made me stop and think, well, what about those that don't know Christ? What about those that don't have hope, who don't know that there is uh, real, true hope? that don't know that there's a heavenly father who is in control of everything. And not only that, but he himself is the definition of good and is love and is in control of all of these things. Because we live in a hopeless society where most people that we meet in our day-to-day -day lives don't know what true hope is. They've never experienced what true hope is. And we live in a really, really broken world. And I think for some of us, COVID has kind of lifted, it lifted this veil. The fog has cleared and maybe it's starting to weigh heavy on you yourself. Maybe you've found yourself giving into despair and you can look around and you can see others giving into it as well. And it saddens your heart. The reality that life is messy and people are hurting that maybe even you yourself are hurting. The realization that we're living in a bad space and we need hope like never before. And right now, people are searching for it. They're searching for it like never before. And so today we're gonna to be reading about hope. We're gonna read in Isaiah 61. So if you've got your Bibles, let's turn there together. And as we read this, guys, I want us to read this in light of these things that we've just talked about. So it says this, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God 
to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers, strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers, but you shall be called priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there will be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in the land they possess a double portion, they shall have everlasting joy. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them they, that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before the nations. Wow, what a passage. I don't know about you guys, but I read this and I want this for our town so badly. I want this for our nation. I want this for those that are broken and hurting, for those that don't know him, for those that don't know that there's hope for their broken situation. For those that need to hear that it's okay to be struggling and it's okay to feel weak. For those that need to hear that there is hope for them in every single situation. And you know what this passage says to me about our current situation? It says that there's hope that goes beyond every circumstance. There's hope that goes beyond the things that we don't understand and hope in brokenness. Tim, a few months ago in a preach, said this, that we should hold our circumstances lightly and his promises tightly. And the question that I want to ask you guys is, have you given in to despair or are you clinging confidently to the hope that's in him? Are you clinging confidently to the promises of God? And so I just want to pull a few promises out of this passage. Um, and the first thing that I really want to say about this passage is that it is God's will to restore. That the heart of God is to restore. The passage says that captives will be set free. That there'll be comfort for those who mourn. Ashes will be turned to beauty. Mourning to gladness. Despair to praise. Places that were once devastated will be restored. Shame replaced with a double portion. And not only that, but we receive an everlasting joy. Salvation and righteousness. And if you're anything like me, your head is spinning just reading that because it's packed full of the promises of God for those that are in Christ. And this is the promise for those that are in Christ. 
These are the promises for you if you're in him. These are the promises for me. And these are the promises for those that will one day come to know him. And hear this, guys, we've not even scratched the surface of God's goodness. We've not even scratched the surface reading this of his plans to bring us back to him. This side of eternity, we're never fully going to grasp it. We're never fully going to grasp how good and committed he is to seeing us in deep and loving community and relationship with him. How wild and unimaginable his desire to restore us to him is. That there's hope for us because we follow a God who's not distant and cold, but he's compassionate. He cares about our hearts and the light and our lives and the things that we go through. And he's a God of the big and he's a God of the small and the lowly. And we hope in a God who has great promises over us, promises to restore us. And that brings me on to the second thing, and that is that really the gospel is the only answer to what we're seeing in the world right now. The gospel really is the only answer. And maybe you've heard this many times before, but the fact of it is, is it really is the only answer. That we have to declare that Jesus is the only one who is able to save us. He's the only one who's able to bring us the hope that we need right now. And when we realise that in and of ourselves we're lacking in hope, that we realise in even greater measure how desperately we need him. And not only that, but how incredibly vast and limitless the hope that we have in Jesus is. That he is the only one that can save us. He is the only one that is the remedy to our hurts. The only one in whom we can find grace and the only true source of hope that the world needs. That if we look to anything else, we're not going to find it. It will just disappoint. And I feel like maybe some of you need to even hear this for yourself. That if you're feeling full of despair or hurt or brokenness, then look to Jesus. Look to him. In verse 6, it even references and says that we'll be priests of the Lord. Now, this is a reference to the new covenant promise that all that we're about to read is a result of the new covenant. The fact that we no longer need to do anything to earn favor with God. We no longer need to do anything to earn the grace of God. But through what Jesus has done, I can come to him exactly as I am, mess and all, hurt and all, brokenness and all, and realize that I'm dependent on him and I need his grace. His gospel is the only thing that is going to bring hope to me in this world, in this situation, in the things that I'm facing. That the hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only thing that we need in this world. And that brings me on to the last thing. And that is that we have a responsibility as a church when it comes to those that are broken and hurting. I think the way that this passage is worded is really interesting because it's full of instructions to us. It says that he has anointed me, he has sent me, that we are to proclaim, to comfort, to provide, to bestow, to rebuild, to renew. It says that you will be priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. And the church have a responsibility to love, to be with, and to be invested in those that are broken, hurting, and do not yet know Jesus. 
that we're not just called to watch brokenness and hopelessness from the sidelines. That if we know and really believe that Jesus is the answer to what's going on in the world, then we should be administering him to everybody. Throughout lockdown, I've been reading uh, the autobiography of Hudson Taylor. Uh, Hudson Taylor was a famous missionary in China. Uh, I would say he really is one of the big pioneers of bringing the Christian faith over to China. Uh, And it tells a story of when he's in Shanghai and he's boarding a boat with his good friend Peter. Uh, And Peter has fallen overboard. He's hit his head, so he's knocked himself out and he started drowning. And Hudson, he jumps out of the boat and he starts wading in the muddy water uh, and he begins searching for Peter. And there are fishermen nearby uh, trawling for fish with a net and hooks. And Hudson goes over to them and he pleads with them uh, to come and help find his friend. And their reply was this. It is not convenient is not convenient, that they wouldn't come and save a life if it meant taking a break from fishing. And after much bargaining and paying a sum of money, uh, they finally come and help. And within a minute, Peter's body is dragged up and they manage to save him. But actually, Peter doesn't make it. They save him from the water, but he doesn't make it. And Hudson Taylor says this about the incident. To myself, this incident was profoundly sad and full of significance, suggesting a far more mournful reality. Were not those fishermen actually guilty of this poor Chinaman's death in that, the means of sa- in that they had the means of saving him at hand, if they would have but used them? Assuredly, they were guilty, and yet let us pause. Here we pronounce judgment against them, lest the greater than Nathan answer, you are the man." Is it so hard-hearted, so wicked a thing to neglect to save the body? Of how much sorer punishment then is he worthy who leaves the soul to perish? And Cain-like says, am I my brother's keeper? The Lord Jesus commands me, commands me, commands you, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Shall we say to him, no, it is not convenient? Shall we tell him that we are busy fishing and cannot go? Before long, we must all perfect appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body. Let us remember, let us pray, let us labor for the unevangelized Chinese. And maybe we hear this story and we judge the fishermen for not jumping in and saving Peter. But I wonder how often are we like this in our spiritual lives? How often do we hold back from sharing Jesus of of the only true saving one? How often do we hold back because it's not convenient? Because this passage makes it clear that in Jesus, we've got the inheritance, the means and the power to reach the broken, to see people saved and brought in uh, to the family of Christ. And so I want to ask you guys, where is your heart at in this? Are you willing to remove comfort and convenience for wholeheartedly committing yourself to seeing those saved that desperately need this hope in Jesus? Because there's an eternity at stake here. Church, we can't sit on the sidelines, but there is a call to go and to move and to speak the name of Jesus for those that need to hear it. And now is the time while the world is searching for hope, whilst we find ourselves in hopeless situations. 
I wonder if you know there are multiple times in the Bible where Jesus weeps. And one of those times is in Luke 19, where he weeps over the godless state of Jerusalem and the fact that there's a missed opportunity of salvation. And I wonder if seeing brokenness and godlessness in the world turns your heart like this, turns your heart to the point where you could weep because you you see that they need Jesus. They need the hope that's in him. Does it turn our hearts like this because it turns God's? That's God's reaction to the brokenness that exists in the world. That's God's reaction to those that need the gospel of Jesus. We're to be a people that are moved by brokenness and who insert the gospel into everywhere we see an opportunity. Our world needs Jesus and church, we have a role in that. And our role is to share the name of Jesus and to speak it to those that need to hear it. And as a result, we will see restoration. We will see these promises of restoration. Jesus will come and do a work in us that sees many brought into his family. But it's got to be done through dependency on him and knowing that he really is our only hope. And so maybe this morning while you've been talking, you know that you yourself have given in to despair during this time. You've given in to despair and you're feeling like, you know what, I've not been leaning on these promises of God. I've not been trusting that he is going to bring restoration. Or maybe you can relate to the fisherman in the story and you want to repent and say, Lord, use me however you see fit because I know that the gospel is the answer and I'm desperate to see hope brought to people who are hopeless. I'm desperate to see many brought into the family of God. Or maybe you just want to ask the Holy Spirit to come and to renew hope in your heart and to come and fill you and enable you to feel hope for your broken situation, enable you to know that there is hope for the world that we're living in at the minute. So maybe you felt yourself given into despair. Maybe you want to say, Lord, use me however you see fit for those that don't have hope. And maybe you want the Holy Spirit to renew the hope this in your heart. We're just going to leave a minute now for you guys to reflect. I'd encourage you wherever you are right now, uh, whether you're in your homes, whether you're on your own or with your families, let's just take a minute and say, Lord, what are you speaking to me about here? What do you want to challenge me on here? How do you want to change me today? Let's take a minute. Lord, we do thank you that in you we find hope. We thank you that you really are the only true source of hope that we or this world could ever need. Lord, I pray that you would encourage our hearts with this. I pray that you would uplift our hearts with this, that where there's been despair, Lord, we would feel hope and confidence in your promises once again. And Lord, I pray that you would use us as a church to reach those that feel hopeless, 
Lord, that we would be a, a city on a hill for those that need hope in their lives right now. And so, Lord, we really do, ju do just say that we're open to you. We're open to you working in and through us. And Lord, I pray that you would come and change something in our hearts today that you would do a work in us, Lord, and that we would just be reminded that all of this is possible because of what Jesus has done. All of this is possible through the gospel. And Lord, we just thank you so much for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.